You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings, kids. Veronica Daschle. Hi. And Fendi Beth Blinn. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, happy to have you with us, Fandy Beth, because you've been uh, really, really, really prolific in, um, in the group and <laughs> commenting on things. We really do appreciate that, and you listening and commenting. That, that's been very much appreciated. Well, I enjoy listening, and I enjoy participating. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Keith, let's start off with some This Week in Trek this week. Okay, This Week in Trek typically has become birthday track, and I do want to do more than that, but it's still birthday track, and a whole bunch of people were getting really busy nine months before April all across the, <laughs> the decades, but I'm going to make this relatively quick because you could go on forever. October. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what's going on in October? Going I don't know. Holidays? People were getting busy. <laughs> Crazy Halloween. Halloween parties, man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> this one is an easy one and a fan favorite. Born on uh, the 17th of April, way back in 1929. And um, this is real. This Okay, let me say this one. Okay. Um, Agamemnon was one such as you, as was Perseus. They learned. Michael Forrest. That's it. I was getting ready to go. I was going to do the accent. Yeah, Michael Forrest, who played. Well, Apollo. Apollo, right. Yeah. In the episode, and you know, I'm so glad to know I'm not the only person for decades. I thought it was Who Mourns for Adonis. Right. I yeah. did not know. And I've heard so many people who say they thought it was Who Mourns for Adonis as well. I never <laughs> knew that the initial pronunciation, the true pronunciation is Who Mourns for Adonais. I, I thought it was Adonai, Adonai? but you might Adonai. be right. The thing is, they don't say it in the episode. So when you're growing up, like I was just reading it off the VHS boxes. So I would... Like I used to watch the men and Jerry because I didn't know how to yeah. say menagerie when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica it's spelled A D O N A I S. Yeah. And most people's minds just blanked over that A and just thought it was Adonis because Adonis was a thing that we knew, but that's not what it is at all. Now, you know, I always, I, I always recognized that the, the spelling, the correct yeah. spelling, but I just assumed that that was how the ancient Greeks spell, spelled Adonis. Yeah. Kind of like uh, I like to I like to mess people up when I I spell Eon with an A and Pagan with an A and all that kind of weird stuff. So something like that. You troublemaker. <laughs> I'm trying to think yeah. because I don't. There's no Latin ending in is. It's us, and then I right. is the plural of us. So I don't know. What about on Pollux four? <laughs> yeah, one of the best Star Treks of all time. Just a just a great episode. Now. Strangely, I have never seen the Star Trek Continues where he returns. Have you all seen that? I have. It's yeah, very good. It's, yeah, it's really good. I enjoyed it. Is that uh, that fan production? Yes. Mm -hmm. huh. yeah, yeah, Star Trek Continues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, just I a, that was great. Yeah, really great episode. And keeping a lot of keeping keeping in themes with especially those of a certain age. Remember, well, heck, if you watch the History Channel, keeping in themes of ancient astronauts and the whole thing of maybe space beings came to Earth and you know, well, Stargate, the whole Stargate yeah. franchise. 
is all about this. Maybe aliens came to Earth and influenced our cultures, but it's probably one of the more intelligently done one ones. Um, I still, even to this day, when I watch the episode, when Kirk does the what if he is Apollo, it makes sense. Mm. Um, you know, that's the whole thing that goes along with the saying of, and then McCoy gets, all, go, gets along, goes along and says, you know, you're right, 5,000 years ago, what else could they have been taken as? Yep. The gods in ancient Greece. So I love that. Right. So, yeah, good Michael Forrest. Um, let's go forward to another one. Uh, okay, 1990. This is a relatively young person. <laughs> Maria Soledad Rodriguez Belay or Belay? I don't know. I can't. Oh, okay. I can do this one. Oh, I hope I haven't had this, made a mistake letting you around my kid. Oh, um, yeah. from uh, Picard. Picard, yeah. I don't yeah. know her name, though. The young doctor. Yeah. That's her name. Um, it's uh, Teresa Ramirez on the show. Mm, and Teresa. Her, I do that she now. goes by Sol Rodriguez, but her full name is Maria Soledad Rodriguez Belay. And I'm probably mispronouncing that from Argentina. She was born on April 17th in 1990. And I am liking her more and more every episode. I'm liking that whole dynamic between them. Yeah, she's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd be fine did. if she comes back to the future. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> Don't count on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like that. Okay, one more. 19, oh, a couple more. 1930. Um, let's see, I got this another one I think of. I will, okay, too easy. I will not cure, I will not kill. I am a follower of the sun. Uh, is that, um, um, uh, at, at, a, 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 Adam. um, no, it's, uh, the gladiator guy. Um, what do you know, think, Veronica? I have no idea. Whose brother was in <laughs> this island earth. What episode is it from? Um, oh, circuses. Okay, yeah, there you go. And then later on, he goes, I don't mind killing, but why you two? Yeah, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. It's not Maximus, but it's it's in that, it? in that. Is it Maximus? Well, not in real life, no. but. <laughs> <laughs> what great casting. Yeah, what if his name was Maximus? <laughs> or. No, it's even Long. different than that. Even I didn't know this one. It's okay. Rhodes Reason. Rhodes Reason. And his brother is Rex Rhodes. Reason. That's right. Yeah. But uh-huh. I had completely forgot that. Who played Flavius Maximus in Bread and Circuses, the, the Roman gladiator on the alternate planet, which Gene Roddenberry loved to do, which is the alternate parallel Earth, <laughs> and um, who had become a follower of the sun. Spoilers, spoilers. The sun wasn't the sun up in the sky. It was the son of God. Actually, a very what? good episode. Yeah, <laughs> I was halfway through it. <laughs> I like that one. I like that it gets satirical, and they're sort of yeah. poking fun at network television and things like that. So did his you know, brother? Did his brother play one of the aliens with the giant foreheads? In no, Island he's the Earth? he's the hero. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles, it's interesting you said that. Uh, that show was actually held for a bit and caused controversy. Because NBC was pissed off at Rottenberry and them taking digs at network television. Um, there's a scene when the pro consul is telling Kirk that he's going to be executed on television like that next day. And he says, we've cleared 30 minutes for you for an execution. <laughs> right. And then Kirk just looks at him. Pro consul goes, oh, I know your centuries beyond anything as primitive as television. And, and Kirk <laughs> goes, I've heard it was similar. <laughs> and 
said, don't let me do a special on you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the whole thing, like when they're doing the gladiatorial fighting and there's a dude, you see a finger pushing the button that yeah. says boo and hiss. <laughs> NBC was pissed at this episode. I mean, they were really mad about it. I mean, they, they, they were more upset about this than some of the costumes and some of the more adult language in the show. Because Gene Roddenberry was picking at them and they knew yep. it and they were just, they were furious with them, which is so funny because it's so tame now by our standards. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if they asked the Smothers Brothers to be involved in that episode. <laughs> Ooh, boy. That would have been great. They yeah. come out with that like was... the hats, the helmets on and everything. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. I'm just going to name this because I can't do it a impersonation easily. Oh, yes, I can. Uh, April 19th, 1937. Oh, Zephyrin, let me see the world as you see it. Let me walk the world with you. Let me feel the sun upon my face. Bad impersonation, but. <laughs> well, the Zephyrin gives that one away. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, it is uh, Lisa uh, Elena Donahue, who played Commissioner Nancy Hedford in. Eleanor Donahue. Yeah. Eleanor Donahue. Yes, thanks. Excuse me. Mm. Yeah. We play Commissioner Nancy Hedford in Metamorphosis. And I know, Charles, yeah. that's one of your favorite because of the, um, the look I love it. of the show. I love yeah. that one. I think it's a sweet story, too. But I think it's just yeah. so incredibly beautifully shot, especially given they're on that same soundstage they're always using. And yeah. Ralph Sineski got so much out of that one. Um, Absolutely. Just the, the interesting camera shots and just the framing of everything. I'm always confusing that episode with the Salt Vampire episode. No. Uh, which, has a, <laughs> which has an unfortunate name, The Man Trap. <laughs> which is it's really better than weird. the unreal McCoy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh which is like the a... working title was the unreal McCoy. Oh, that's right. I think in the, in the Bush novelization is still called the unreal McCoy. I'd have to check, but wow. yeah, I think the man trap is a better title than that. I agree. But One thing I still do like... sort of similar stories, uh, a man yeah. with kind of a, yeah, a, a man, a man with a, with a, a companion who's not all she seems. Yeah. I think maybe the premise is more similar than the, the way the stories go though. Um, True. Yeah, because the companion is a lot more benevolent than <laughs> than the salt vampire. <laughs> if I had to one, pick one, I'd go companion. <laughs> one thing I do, one thing I like about Metamorphosis is it is a Star Trek. We always talk about Star Trek deals with prejudice and and um, <laughs> egocentricity. In this case, for humans, I love the honest premise because I love honesty in shows, and I love the honest premise that Zephyrin Cochran has a revulsion at first that an alien thing is in love with him. And I love the fact that Spock and Kirk basically say, this has been a pleasant relationship for you. Why do you care? And I love the message. But I also, sometimes I feel, especially in modern times, sometimes I feel that the negative emotions and feelings we have are kind of written out of characters. And I think it's better to be honest that we have these feelings, our prejudices, whatever they are, and deal with them. So I love the fact that Zephyrin's been with this um, companion for 150 years, has all the emotional attachment, but then he looks at the companion and says, ugh, I can't love that. Now, the fact that she becomes a woman in female form and then right. he says, I can love her, is a bit of a cop-out. That's what I was going to say. Like, well, how sure. about if we make it a beautiful woman? Well, okay. Exactly. That's, that's fine, it's, <laughs> but for the for the 60s, it was progressive. And yeah, I think that it would have been better if he had truly acknowledged his love for the companion. And then if they wanted to do the form change. Um, I also find that, I don't know, I'm going on a little bit, but I also find that show a little sad because at the end, Zephyrin Cochran is going to be stuck on that planetoid for the rest of his life because the companion in human form can't leave the planet. True. Yeah. 
That's kind of sad to me. But in the novel Federation, they got around that and he escaped. So <laughs> seriously? Yeah. Awesome. In the I 24th century. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> awesome. Okay. A couple more we got to do. And I'm just going to throw this one out. Uh, 19th of April, 1968. Um, Wesley Crusher was this person's first on screen kiss. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd playing Robin mm-hmm. Leffler in Darmok and the Game. Ensign Robin Leffler. Ensign Robin Leffler, right. And she also had a bunch of rules, which I always liked because I thought that was kind of cool. I liked her as a character. Um, I wish she could have stayed, but yeah, she was nice in the two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, two more. She got too famous too fast to ever come back to Star Trek. Yeah, this is so sure. 1988. Our buddy Noah. Oh, please yep. pronounce for That's me. That's right. I saw another Everbot Cats. Everbot Cats, 20th of April, 1988. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Been on a podcast twice. Great guy. He's he's great. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. he agreed to do our podcast before we had a single episode out. And we're just like, <laughs> we promise we have a podcast, <laughs> which is cool. That is awesome. That is really awesome. Cause sometimes you get the feeling some people look you up and go, oh man, yeah, yeah, you only got like this many members. Okay, right. whatever. I'll <laughs> responding to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the youngest of the bunch, 2001, um, 20th of April, is Ian Alexander. Yes. Oh, oh. yeah. I like him. I, I, I want him back on Ian. Discovery. They need yeah, to go back to the trail and pick him back up and keep him on the ship. Yeah. What is he doing? Is he just training and going to be able to start pulling multiple personalities out of people or something like that? <laughs> it was one of those like, hey, the writers ran out of story for me, so I'm going to get off the ship now. Yes. Yeah. Two more and we're done. Um, 1959. <laughs> this person has asked this question. And your crew? <laughs> Charlie X. I have. No, no. But you're close in production order. I know it. I know it. I know it too. What Go is ahead. It? It's Clint Howard. Yes. yes. Baby Got brother of Ron Howard. Yep. Who yeah. has been in at least two different roles in Star Trek. <laughs> Yes. A few more he's than been, that. Yeah. He's been in four, four roles Whoa. in Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, I didn't... You got it, Veronica? No. He's Baylock. <laughs> that's who I was trying to, that's who I was thinking. Yeah, but, but Baylock's name is not Charlie X, is the problem. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I had the right one in mind. Okay. <laughs> Probably one of the most simultaneous creepy and funny characters ever introduced in, in uh, Star Trek because when you hear that voice come out of that little body, it's just weird. <laughs> I love yep. Baylock. He's one of my favorite characters, and I want him back. I do. Oh. I agree, too. Was that not Clint Howard's voice? Mm-mm. No, it was. Oh, who was it? Um, uh, we I are, didn't write that down. It was not Vic Perrin. We established that last time we talked about this. Right. <laughs> but he has, um, right. I don't remember his name either. Um, and the last one, 1937, April 20th, George Takai. Yes, sir. Was born. And, and what a great. An interesting life that person has had. Of course, I, I bought the book uh, with George Takai, the the, an, the book that has um, uh, like comic book animations, a graphic novel that talks about when he and his family were interred mm-hmm. in during World War II as basically enemy aliens, as the Japanese Americans were considered. Right. And to come right. from that to this is just phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The life he's had. Absolutely. It's Great pronounced Takai. Takai. Did I say Takai? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Decay. Thank you. George Decay. But I've heard and him say I, he. I've heard him say he doesn't mind when people mispronounce it as Takai because in Japanese Takai means expensive. <laughs> uh, yeah, that so sounds a like a Takai line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's this week in Trek history. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we come back, we'll be getting our discussion topic. So stay right there. Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Arsenio Hall on his show used to have a little segment called Things That Make You Go Hmm. And he would just throw out stuff, just random stuff, just thoughts that they don't have to have any order, don't have to make any sense. Uh, I listened to a podcast called Star Talk, hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And they have a segment called Cosmic Queries, which they jokingly call Galactic Gumbo. And it's just thoughts. And I don't know if y'all do the same, but I do all the times I'm walking around because I'm always watching Star Trek. I just have thoughts. So sometimes I just think about stuff. And sometimes it's because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. We haven't done a show on it. But I'll just be walking around sometimes and I'll think, yeah, you know, kids on the Enterprise, that's just a really stupid idea. And then I think I really want to talk to somebody about it. And then I write that idea down. Or then I'm doing something else and I'm thinking, you know, the Gorn looked better in 1960s than the Gorn looked in the Enterprise with the CGI. So... I was just wondering, what kind of random thoughts do we have? Funny thoughts, serious thoughts, thoughts that become topics. Um, what kind of Star Trek thoughts are just stuck in your head all the time for old shows, new shows, future shows, whatever? So what do you got? Okay, I'll start off then. Right. Right, this is this is something, a misconception I had when I was a kid. Because I started watching Star Trek when I was pretty young. And I mm-hmm. thought that Vulcans have sex with their hands. Like, that's where their sex is. <laughs> <laughs> in Star Trek 3... When Spock is going to go into the pond far and they start touching their hands together. Yes. Same thing when he was getting married to Pring. It was like the hand touching thing. Same thing with the Romulan commander, the hand touching thing. Same thing with the Sarek and his wife were touching their fingers together. So I just thought that that's how you do the pond fars. You rub your hands together and that's how Vulcans procreate. Um, And then the books, Vulcans are like, do not like to touch people because they're telepathic. But I figured that makes sense because they're, that's the private parts you know what i mean but what did occur to me at the time which occurred to me later was that that would make mind melds like super awkward (laughs) (laughs) so you thought that the touching hands was like that unfortunate umox yeah i mean star trek six established that not all species have the reproductive organs in the same place so true why not the hands good point i thought you were thinking about scissoring Shall we describe that for the people who can't see that? No. I, I, think, we better, I think we better not. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I thought I actually didn't know at the time what it was either, but I thought I think what it what's cool about it is it's yet another thing that makes the Vulcans alien enough to where they seem different from us. So I do like that. They don't do yeah. kissing, they don't they don't punch people, they do the neck pinch. Right. Uh, so I think it was a, a cool affectation to use. Yeah. And it, it's mm-hmm. work. Who's next? Vandy Beth, how about you? Well, I've been thinking about um, 
the the speech I believe Mares from the animated series and Dr. Ta'ana from Lower Decks are the same species. Yes. Um uh, and that just thinking about that species made me wonder if in the future are there still furries? Yes. <laughs> so while they would... when there are actually species that look like people yeah. wearing wearing furry cat suits, would it be offensive to actually wear a cat suit like that? Yeah, like you get a Gordon suit on, maybe, and then the Gordon yeah. would be upset. Like, well, <laughs> not cool, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's a matter of, I mean, like, does the bulk of the culture have a problem with it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. or and or alternatively, are there dating sites where people who are into who would have been furries today can meet uh, Gorns or uh, people of Maresta species? Yeah, and, like yeah, or, you put in the physical characteristics you're interested in. <laughs> or really, I mean, it's kind of like that scene when Lol was choosing a body, and you just go in there and just start describing <laughs> what you're into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. An Andorian, a Klingon, a human, stuff like that. Uh, interesting question. Um, I guess it would. I guess a lot of it would depend on what you would consider "quote unquote" exotic in the future, and if that would be seen as something out of the ordinary, or yeah. if that would just be so normal that you wouldn't even think about it. Like, that or, or or would people of those species uh, be uh, be angry that you're objectifying them that way? <laughs> Yeah. Wow, I'm more than just this fur. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, what was the race again? What was the race called? Acacian. Acacian, right. Yeah. It's that, like cat, so, but with an eye in it. Yeah, I, right. So, Vandy, uh-huh. we're talking about what, what, they get, what they get offended about being objectified. So now I'm envisioning something where the Acacians and the, the Kazinti mount a war against Earth just because oh, of that. I've forgotten <laughs> all about the Kazinti. <laughs> that is definitely something that the Kazinti would start a war over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've been longing for some human flesh for quite a while, but not the good way. <laughs> I don't know which way is the good way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there is a good way there, Keith. <laughs> well, you either make it with it or you eat it, so... <laughs> okay, See, Veronica. Like we're... we're- we're veering towards. I know we're got a theme so far. So we have to. <laughs> so I did not mean to steer us into an explicit content warning. So okay, so this question comes from the episode Friday Child. <laughs> Under Friday the Child. laws of her people, Alin must. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're just reading a trivia question out of a book. Yes. <laughs> so we're all on the same page. Yes. All right, say it, say it again. Okay. This is from the episode Friday's Child. Under the laws of her people, Alin must die. Yeah. Yes. But I was a, I had I had multiple point. options. I have no idea. I'm just reading it from the book. <laughs> well, I was okay, gonna see if, I'll I'll gonna see if you get one. the answer. Um but do you remember why one. she had to die? Do you remember why she had to die, Veronica? No. Was she turning? Was she turning sixty? No. no, it's because her husband was high tier and he died in battle, and she oh, bore his right. son. Mm. And his rival took over, and in that culture, it's like, okay, you got to die so we don't have the son of the former ruler to become um, a competitor at some point in time. That's messed up. Yeah, yeah. It is. 
Yeah. It's like it's like Old Testament messed up. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing about that episode. That that episode, um, I don't know, I think it was written by DC Fontana. Um, DC Fontana's initial draft was nothing like what it was became. DC, DC Fontana's mission for that episode was to show a woman in a feudal medieval society empowered the way sometimes queens would have been in those societies. Her original draft called for her to not even care about her own child. Her draft called for her to be much more the mover and the shaker, the one who was scheming to take power. And she was even going to abandon her child to do that. And De San Fontana wanted to show this as a woman taking power in that time. Instead, she becomes more of a victim and more of a, frankly, she becomes more of a damsel in distress in the episode. I'm guessing in that original version, McCoy didn't slap her in the face. Oh, heck no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So um, that type of script was too advanced for the years, of course. So that that couldn't go. (laughs) All right, Keith, this topic was your idea. You give us one. I think about all the time plot devices in Star Trek, all the things that lay the foundation of the Federation and build the world. And we always have these, there's always this conversation about what's the, what's kind of like the silliest plot. What's the one thing that you have the hardest time with in all the Star Trek. And I almost said it's children on the Enterprise, because I think that is literally one of the dumbest and stupidest things in all the Trek histories to have children on the flagship of the Federation, because every week they're almost about to get destroyed. But I think there's one dumber than that. It always troubles me. It's the Treaty of Algeron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Y'all know what that is. You know what that one is, uh, Veronica and Vandy Beth? No. That is that stupid treaty the Federation signed with the Romulan Empire where the Federation will never use cloaking devices. And if they do, they go to war. It sounds good in in a lot of ways. And when I did some research on it, I always wondered why it was there. Gene Roddenberry, well, first off, you might not know, the cloaking device was actually created as a cost saver for Balance of Terror, the episode that introduced the Romulans. They didn't have the budget to film the Romulan ship as much as they wanted in battle scenes. And so someone came up with the idea of giving the Romulans the ability to cloak. Wow. And that's why they have the cloaking device. But later on, when somebody said, well, if the Federation, if the Romulans have it, and then later on, well, later on, the Klingons have it, um, why not give it to the Federation? And Gene Roddenberry said the Federation would never resort to something that unethical. Mm. I love Gene, but that is that's like the silliest thing on the planet because no. as we we got yeah. all kinds of stealth technology in good old America. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, this is truth. There's no way the Federation would stand against both the Romulan Empire and the Klingon Empire if they have cloaking technology and the Federation doesn't. They couldn't. They just couldn't yeah. win. And the only time that was ever addressed that I love is in one of my favorite Star Treks of all time, Yesterday's Enterprise, when... Picard tells Captain Garrett that after 22 years, the Federation is about to surrender to the Klingon Empire. And I'm sitting there going, hell yeah, because they got cloaking devices. It should have been taken <laughs> <a long time. laughs> I think yeah. it, it's one of those you do it for the show, but it makes zero sense in real life. And the Federation mm-hmm. could not stand without a cloaking device. They just couldn't. That's yeah, always and, irritated me. In Balance of Terror, it was essentially the a submarine versus a destroyer. So right. the submarine can dive and disappear under the water. The cloaking device gave that ability. So the Enterprise was faster, and then right. but they had the stealth on their side. I, I don't see the problem with with uh, the Federation not using cloaking technology in peacetime. Hmm. 
And as soon as as soon as, soon as war bro- broke out, they would immediately start using it. And, Absolutely, they'd have to. They'd have to. And, they wouldn't survive otherwise. Or they just have really good cloaking devices, and we don't know about it. If your cloaking device works, then no one knows you've got it. Yeah. Right. They just keep it turned off all the time. <laughs> yeah. War breaks out. They they go into that room, dust it off, <laughs> fire it up. Right. But jumping off of that, um, when they introduced the cloaking device on the Defiant in season three of mm-hmm. DS9, and I've just been recently been we, we play DS9 basically every night when we're going to bed. So we're sort of <laughs> we're moving back through season three right now. And I was thinking about mm-hmm. when um originally there was a Romulan character played by Martha Hackett, who was sort of mm-hmm. assigned to keep an eye on that cloaking device and right. She didn't make it very long. She was in a few episodes and then she was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Martha Hackett went on to play Seska on Voyager. But I was right. wondering what would DS9 would have been like if Martha Hackett's character had stayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like Worf coming onto the ship and bringing the whole Klingon thing with him if she'd have stayed and he had a Romulan character going through the Dominion War with them. That'd have been awesome. Good, mm-hmm. Good point. Because I still say, uh, with all apologies to Picard and so forth, I still don't think the Romulans have ever been treated fully, completely, and to my satisfaction in all of Star Trek history. Right. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't think they've done it well. So that, I, w- I think that would have been a good one. Yeah. I think that would have added an interesting dimension to the show. And I mean, you'd, you'd have had it become Klingon, I mean, Romulan heavy instead of Klingon heavy, probably. Yeah. You know? um, or it'd be yeah. even more interesting if Worf still showed up and then you have both of them there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because the tensions between Worf and the Romulans would be interesting. Right. Or even war- just Worf and Command of the Defiant, and she's in charge of the cloaking device. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting dynamic. I think they um I think that would have been a cool um addition to DS9. And I like Martha Hackett. I think she's a, a good actress. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I have another question. <laughs> I love the way Veronica jumps in. Okay. She's eager because she's reading her as a book. Yes. <laughs> How come we don't get to cheat? <laughs> Veronica is smarter than we are. Yes. I could have had all the things if I'd brought a book. Okay. This is from the Tholian web. <laughs> the entire crew of the Defiant is, or what happened to the entire crew of the Defiant? They died. Mm-hmm. That's they, not one of the options. Well, they they killed die. them. They, they killed themselves. They went mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. Went insane. To death. To right. Death. <laughs> they went insane to death. <laughs> Yes. Yes. There we go. That's mine. <laughs> okay. And Ver- Veronica, what was the cause of them going mad? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, look, I got my little, the official Star Trek quiz book. And um, I know what the answer is because I can look it up in the back. Okay. Do you know what, do you know what the cure for them going mad was? She's going to go, if I don't know the cause, I don't know the cure. Do you know what the cure for it was? Some kind of steam. I don't know. Steam? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Steam as in steam for water or steam yes. as in okay, no. The the cause was the space they were in because basically they were phasing in and out of another dimension and it was messing with the basically their brains. And that's why they were all going mad. And that's why there's these awesome episodes, there's an awesome moments. They started doing it cool, weird camera angles, and there was one thing when they were talking about Kirk, and that's why I've nowhere Sue uh Chekhov goes, and I like the captain, and then he goes crazy and starts going. And start screaming and all that kind of stuff. And the cure was McCoy took Theragon, a Theragon derivative, which is a Klingon nerve gas, liquefied it and put it in orange juice. And that hey, saved the day. Gas, steam. I'm pretty close. 
<laughs> okay, so it was nerve steam. Is she though? <laughs> It, it was, was a thing that seen. was like in the air and floated around and looked like a cloud. Wow. Okay. okay. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to count okay, me as like another... 50%. <laughs> okay. I got another random thought that um, it's just a personal opinion. I don't rank the inner light even in the top 10 of Star Trek episodes. Am I alone in that? What? I think I am. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how I'm ranking my top ten. I guess I don't. I have. I think it's really good. I really like it. It's not one that I'm. I'm going to sit down and watch on a Friday night with like a pizza or yeah. something. You know. Yeah. Here's my thing about the inner light. It, the the thing, uh, the device that probed Picard and gave him that unique experience. Uh, it, well, it was a unique experience. It only worked once. Mm. Which, if this is the only thing that's going to represent what everything that your culture was to the rest of the of the galaxy um you would want it to be you would want everybody possible to have that experience mm-hmm. and so in my in my head canon i've imagined that that um they, they figured out a way to make the device work over and over again mm. and now that it's happened to picard everybody everybody can go into it knowing that that's what's going to happen to them and so there, there's a, you know, a bunch of people out there, maybe anthropologists or, or maybe just adventurers who have who have exposed themselves to this probe, and so have lived the life of Cayman, um, and have taken different things away from it, and have written have written papers and and books, and maybe it's even inspired art, um, and uh, and new philosophies and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, that's what that's what I like to imagine was the, the long term effect of that of that probe that Enterprise discovered. Hmm. What do you that's, think? That's a cool thought. And or Very you can take it in a lower decks direction, and they all have a club where they all play the flute together. And <laughs> 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 reminisce about when they were Cayman. You know, yeah, exactly. Boimler really wants to join, but he's trying to fake it. <laughs> Bronco, what's your thought about that episode? I don't remember it at all. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Are you really asking me? Like, I'm, yeah. uh, I have no idea. That's the one where the probe uh, hits Picard and all of a sudden he wakes up on a planet and his name is Cayman and he lives an entire life, gets married, has children. And then at the end of the episode, finds out the planet was destroyed a thousand years ago. And that probe literally was just recorded memories because they wanted him to erase to be remembered. And that's where he gets the flute and plays the famous little song. Actually, it's not a flute, is it? It's something else. I forget. It's what like it a is. tin whistle. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah. call it the Resican flute, though. Right. Mm-hmm. I have I no like... memory of that episode. <laughs> oh, then it'll be new to you. When you I see remember it. I remember the flute. The little Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I much. like the episode. I don't love it, but you know, this is the way it is. Things are so subjective. I like the episode. Sometimes a Star Trek episode or a good show, the reveal at the end just ties everything up. Even if you thought the show was kind of slow or whatever. And when you get the reveals, oh my gosh, everything that comes before just does it for you. This one for me, that whole lifetime he spends honestly doesn't engage me a whole lot. It just, there's nothing wrong. It just doesn't engage me. And so the reveal is beautiful, but the episode that I went through before that just doesn't emotionally engage me so much. So it's not a great one. And then this, I guess one reason I don't love it is I always do this thing where I have a hard time. I can't get past the logic to just let my emotions go. 
because I just sit there going, if he lived 20, 30, 40 years, did he live every single moment of that time? It's just weird that the next day he's commanding the Enterprise again. That's been done yep. more than once. Mm-hmm. It was done to Chief O'Brien. It's been done a lot right. of Star Trek episodes where people yep. go away for years. And then the next day they're back on duty. I'm like, if it's been decades, he doesn't remember how to do a whole lot of stuff. So <laughs> right. yeah, I, 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 get, I get stuck with that. Like when the when the pandemic happened, I had to like my we were classified as essential workers and I had to stay outside mm-hmm. of my office and work right. basically from in the field, do my job mm-hmm. for a year just with like a day's notice. And then, mm-hmm. so when uh, they finally relieved the protocols and I was allowed to come back into the office and it was super strange, just walking back yes. to my office a year later and then just like, right. okay, sit down at your desk and do your job again. And I had to like, we have this weird printer and I had to get someone had to show me how to load the paper in it that I used to do all the time. Cause it's been a year <laughs> since I've done it. And it was just like, I couldn't remember which button right. on the phone, like, cause it's been a year. Yes. Like, just to walk out of your office and then walk back in a year later, like nothing happened is just very strange. Yes. So um, if you right. did that for like 50 years, you feel like Picard would come back and be like, wait, was the ready room on this side? Absolutely. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Riker, the, right, Riker, right? <laughs> I remember you. An even more mundane example of that is every... Every December, I go to get the Christmas decorations, and I don't remember what's in what box, right. or <laughs> right, right, or, or how to put these lights together, or anything like that. <laughs> it's all like <laughs> something brand new. To, like, oh yeah, yeah, we got a new Christmas tree last year. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. On that point, I work in IT, and I have to I have to maintain technology called VMware, which is virtual technology. And mm-hmm. once every two or three years, I do major systems upgrades. And I got to go find my notes from like two years before to do that again. And I'm talking like my notes are 300 page documents. So I agree. And one last thing I want to say on that, Vanny Beth, I thought that Mm -hmm. point you made was very interesting because there's an episode of Voyager that goes along exactly what you're talking about. Remember the one it's where was it Chakotay and and Paris and Kim land on this planet where they thought they were in a war and they Mm -hmm. fought and they killed. And at the end they had all these feelings and it turned out it was a, a giant obelisk like a mm-hmm. that had been re- yeah a memorial and there's, al- there was there's a- always an obelisk yeah <laughs> and what i love about that show is at the end there was a huge debate about should they destroy that because they were like you know look what this thing did to us because they had fought they had killed people they were in a war and they were emotionally traumatized mm-hmm. and then jane right. said but can we destroy the memory of these people and so basically she did that thing which is also funny they put um a warning buoy or some kind mm-hmm. of thing around which is so cool because Everybody in the universe knows what a warning buoy is from Federation <laughs> technology. But but that was the point of that episode. So I thought that was a, a good one. Yeah. I actually like that one a lot. I liked it too. One of the better Voyager episodes. Yeah. I thought yeah. that's a really effective way to do a memorial that everyone yeah. who comes here will know what it was like and they will remember what we went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I don't know mostly if I could do that. I feel like if she can kill two Vix, she should have been able to destroy the memorial. <laughs> Saying. <laughs> okay, and there's a great random thought to end it if we want to end it there, which sounds like Perfect. Veronica say Tuvix should not have been Tuvix should have lived, right? Obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we come back, we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. So stay right there. Hey Dad, what's the Soul Forge podcast? The Soul Forge podcast is all about life, the universe, and everything. Is it good for kids? Oh no, it's not good for kids. Is it geeky? 
Oh, it can be geeky, but it can also be serious. We talk about life, sex, dating, and mental health, and so much more. Where can you find a Soul Forge podcast? You can find it everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and the ESO Network. Spoiler! 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 Good job. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's the spoilers for uh, Star Trek Picard Mercy, uh, which I liked. I thought this was a fun episode. Yes. And you she know what? The, the lady playing young Guinan has really winning me over. Yeah. I liked her a lot in this one. She's better now. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, too. I think, one, because um, I have commented that I didn't like this Guinan, this whole... Mm-hmm. Even though she's black on the surface, this whole thing where she's basically decrying humanity because of racism. And I'm thinking, but this is also the guy who was on Earth in the 19th century when she saw slavery. Right. Um, the is, year, she, is she, though? Um, in that timeline, yeah, she still would have been, right? Yeah, I think we the don't difference know. is, well, that's true. But yeah. I think she should have still been there. Yeah, I think the difference is that she didn't meet Picard because he didn't come back in time, is what they're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I can I would guess, but I mean, I could I could see where if you live through the entirety of the 20th century, you'd be pretty much over humanity. Yep. <laughs> you know, like screw you guys. <laughs> I I I've, I haven't lived um 40 decades, not 40, four decades, and <laughs> Whoa, four decades. Okay. <laughs> I haven't lived four decades, and I'm over humanity. Yeah. You so, must moisturize. You know. <laughs> <laughs> moisturize me. Wow, there's a conversation, Charles. You gotta gotta have Charles. There's something I need to tell you. I'm 30, <laughs> I'm 30 decades old. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I like I like Guided better now. Now that she's settled down a little bit, I, I like her better. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I did not see the agent who arrested them storyline coming at all. That completely caught me off guard. Yeah, that's not what I thought. Mm. He wasn't Duquesne from the future. Yeah, he's just sad. FBI guy. He's he's Fox Mulder. Yeah. yeah. I was super disappointed that he he's apparently not Lieutenant D- Duquesne. Yeah. Because I mean it's this, it's the same actor and mm-hmm. you know you you guys were talking last week about all the all the mm-hmm. um, dumb PR decisions Paramount is making. I, I this is not the same as that, but it's still it's the same kind of thing. You can't yeah. cat you. Uh, I mean, they they must know their own fandom. They you can't cast an actor that kind of history with with the franchise and not somehow address the fact that he played this other character involved with time travel. Yeah, they didn't even ad- attempt to address it. Like no. there was nothing. No, he's just playing a different character. And, and I mean, I mean, I, I agree with you that yeah, it's like you see him in a time travel story, and you're like, ooh. And then you're excited for eight weeks, and you're like, he's like, well, I didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but then you okay, find out, no, he's just an FBI guy who he came across some Vulcans ETing around in the woods when he was a kid. And, I hate uh, to ask this question: Who is he from this other show? Because I haven't du- seen. In relativity, mm-hmm. he played Duquesne, who was the like the first officer or whatever to uh, Captain Braxton. He was the, uh, a part of the guy, one of the guys who was getting uh, seven out of relativity. Yeah, on the time ship relativity in the future, he they were beaming seven of nine into the future and sending oh, on missions back in yes, time. He yes, was yes, okay. he was like the number two guy who took over after they arrested okay. Braxton at the end. So presumably okay. he would have been mm-hmm. in command of the USS Relativity in the 29th century. After that, 
Ah, and, but did not leave. later come back to the 21st century. But, okay. Uh, although maybe maybe he did. I mean, there, there's still time. There's still two more episodes to to True. redeem it. Maybe. True. Uh, I mean, uh, if if you're telling a time travel story, the name Wells right suggests itself as, I a, said. as a pseudonym of some sort. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so maybe you know maybe they still have plans along those lines, and in which case I I retract every everything <laughs> I've said. This maybe this he erased his own memory because he knew he couldn't <laughs> and replaced it with a memory of himself being mind melted by a Vulcan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. Uh, because what's that he knows history and he knew it was had to happen. Total recall. Maybe that's something Total they do in the 29th recall. century, like a prank where you like change someone's <laughs> memories and drop them off in a time period. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. Day. Happy birthday. <laughs> Actually, you jest, Charles, but if you think about like a higher level species, I could see them playing goofy games like yeah. that. You know, somebody so advanced that, that for them time is like nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I got to be that guy and got to ask, what were the Vulcans doing in a forest in whatever year that was? Oh, I haven't. I have an answer for that. Uh, the 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 mind meld actually was successful, and the mind meld was to make him forget the anal probe. The, this, the is like, this is this is 2024. He may be what 60, maybe. So 1924. Mm-hmm. So this is like 1934, something like that. No, we're, we're both in no. Zoom on Earth. What? You, 1934. You jumped a few decades, man. Uh, if he's oh no, 60, you're right. No. I was thinking like, the yeah, I'm doing my math. Right. 1964. Yeah. So yeah. 1964. Or 64. So it'd be after split. 1970. And so yeah. after uh, Carbon Creek. And so you got Vulcans who are just sort of taking samples in the woods. Why? Keith, you watch Voyager more than me, or Enterprise. Uh-huh. When did uh-huh. Vulcans develop transporters? Did they have transporters in Carbon Creek? Uh, they never used them. They never said anything about transporters. I thought the in ship like, came down and picked them up. Um,. I don't think it tr- it came down and picked them up, right? Yeah. I, don't, it, I don't remember them transporting. Carbon Creek, I thought, was in the 50s. It was, well, it was when when Sputnik was launched. So what, what's that, 57? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm trying to figure out why they're on the planet whenever time. I mean, I, I know I'm getting bogged down because this, you know, we have already talked about cannons fluid. But I'm literally trying to figure out who these Vulcans were and why they were just like hanging out in this hillside that anybody could have stumbled on with that big, bright light. They were looking uh, for Mistral. <laughs> yeah that's all was that song. i halfway expected you know what they were next by. to a creek yeah what did you say <laughs> they were next to a uh, creek true yeah but it was yeah yeah i just got it was just a little weird to me yeah um i did think that one vulcan looked a lot like mark leonard that main yeah. yes i was like yeah, where was yeah. this guy when they were mm-hmm. casting sarek <laughs> yeah, he has right 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 and in for a penny, in for a pound. I didn't think Vulcans were doing um, mind mills, especially with other species back then. But here we go. That's that's an enterprise thing. <laughs> that's true. This guy mind was a melder. Melder. That's even worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mind melding is considered obscene at that time, according yeah. to enterprise history. And I can't imagine mind melding with an alien. Bad enough, another Vulcan. Maybe that's why I beamed him up so quick. Yeah. Like, not <laughs> today, buddy. Yeah. Like, Somebody get Jerry. There he goes again. <laughs> spelled j apostrophe e-r-r-y of course yes <laughs> oh i love it j- every- <laughs> and you have every- to say it like that you have to say it to get that in there j- every- <laughs> the way like 
third time you ever know some Michael Dorn would pronounce a Klingon word, he 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 actually kind of slowed down. It's like almost like he can't speak his own language. He would always say, <laughs> "This is a," and he would always do this. Like he's been emphasis. practicing all morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to say his own native language. <laughs> um, so Q dying, just that Q or all Q? Doesn't it hmm. doesn't indicate? I don't know. Yeah, it's um, at least at least our Q. Yeah. yeah. But do we know why? The, well, they didn't no. say that. They, he doesn't they know why. No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't seem to know either. But they they gave Delancey and Spiner both some some good yeah, scenes in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting when Guinan said, "What well, Guinan said something to the effect was it Guinan who said, I knew Q can kill each other, but I didn't think you could die. I thought you mm. were immortal.' Yeah. So I thought that and was he said, yeah. Right. Evidently, yeah. he didn't know that either, right? He's kind of like, yeah, me too. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if it's the entire continuum and what happened. I don't know. What is going on? I, I do I did like his description of it though. Uh I thought that was really great. And it's interesting that Q's, I mean, he really is just running around just manipulating things the old fashioned way, like planting yeah. programs and computers and sneaking into the <laughs> FBI. He's like, she's like, I saw I summoned you. And he's like, I gotta take the bus over here or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd follow you around all day. <laughs> so I, I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. Okay, good point. So I hadn't even thought about that. Does that mean Q has zero powers? As in none, they're not even like half malfunction. They're not even functioning sometimes on a small level. I don't know. He seemed to. It's what well, see. Well, he he could change himself from young Q to old Q. He we saw him do that in the first episode. But right, he could do other right. snap finger things in the yeah. first episode as well. Right. And he did preserve Picard and his current crew so that they have a chance to do this whole game. So he, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe that was maybe maybe his his last act was making himself look like an old man. I don't know. Oh, interesting. I, I, mean, I imagine he disappeared after that. He didn't he didn't go out the back door or anything. Like because he, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't realize his his snaps weren't working until he was sitting in that park watching yeah. uh, what's right. her face. So maybe yeah, he got to the point where he just he ran out of juice. Interesting. Right. That would have been so awkward if it was like, no, just cl- close your eyes so I could disappear. <laughs> Don't open. Throw, you're, you're still throw a smoke bomb on the floor. Right. <laughs> you're yeah. right off. <laughs> I, I I would assume that it's. All the Q, because I would think that if it was just him, one of the other Q couldn't revitalize his powers since they have to be able to take powers away from other Q and kill Q. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would assume it must be the entire continuum that has a problem, unless they just don't care about him. That's entirely possible. Yeah, we have <laughs> seen him been we have seen him be on the outs with his people before. Quite yeah. frequently. Yeah. And, yeah. And even when that was not the case, it, it there have been other episodes where it was pretty clear. Uh, he didn't much like the rest of the queue, so yeah, very true. Uh, it could be that the uh, help is either not forthcoming or, or he just doesn't want it from them. Are they? Yeah, they may have got tired of his crap. Yeah, <laughs> they're 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 putting him out of his misery. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, so Corbin Burnson is going to show up again? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vanny Beth, how have you been enjoying Picard season two so far? I have. I've mostly been enjoying it. Um, I uh, I liked in this episode that we had we had Elnor in a flashback, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm, I'm I'm not crazy about flashbacks, but I just liked being able to see Elnor in other than a hallucination of Rafi's. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, there's there's some ongoing things that always bother me. Like um, it doesn't it's, it's never made sense to me that the Borg would have a queen. 
but then once it's established that that there is such a thing, um, the crew of Lost Serena should have been taking much more precautions than they have been taking. Right, man, to uh, that. Uh, like like Agnes is smart and Agnes is smart enough that she she would not have gotten close enough for the queen to inject her with nanoprobes and yeah. that yes that's just gonna that's gonna bother me for the rest of the of the season um or or I'm gonna leave this board queen unattended while I go into the manor house here and take a nap like exactly. right. somebody really ought to be on board duty at all times yeah. <laughs> right hey Vandy Beth. Random thought number 27. <laughs> Borg should not have a queen. <laughs> I completely that, agree with you. Uh, yeah. I actually have that written down. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my random thoughts. That's one of those things that's always irritated me. I think the Borg lost Keith, something. If you've, if you've numbered them, they're not random. <laughs> oh, they're not numerical thoughts, Keith. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not numbered. I just count it, count it real quick. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I, I kind of agree about you with the uh, the flashback. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it's better than just she thought she saw him on the street. This is this builds Eleanor's character yeah. still and and plays right. into why he was in Starfleet in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is this is probably just a coincidence, but uh, Agnes wearing the tactical boots with the red dress reminds me a lot of Alice from the Resident Evil movies. Mm. Okay. Um, and, you know, the Borg are, are a kind of high tech zombie, just like the zombies in Resident Evil. So, yeah. Maybe it's a homage. It's probably not, but <laughs> it's just something I thought of while watching today's episode. Yeah. It also puts me in mind wearing the red dress of um, number six from Battlestar Galactica. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, was also a thing where there was in something, part of it was in somebody's imagination. And then, Fanny Beth, we talked about before about Scorpius. From um, Farscape. I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever watched Farscape. I've so, only seen a couple of episodes of Farscape. The uh, the main um, bad guy in that series is also kind of in the, the lead, John Crichton's mm-hmm. head. That same mm-hmm. way he can talk to him and yeah. see him, mm-hmm. but nobody else can. This episode, it's kind of what I've been saying for the past few episodes. It's I like mm-hmm. the characters a lot. I'm having fun mm-hmm. watching it week to week. I'm not so sure about the storyline. I mean, what are we in episode eight now? And now yes. I have a good idea of how the timeline's been changed you know what i mean we've been trying to fix the timeline for six episodes and without a real clear idea so far it just seems like our heroes are messing up the timeline more than anybody yes you know thank you so (laughs) at this point now it's like oh now we're establishing that sung is going to work with the board queen to stop this mission to space you know like wow we're pretty close to the end of this story to reveal that yeah you know right and i felt like i mean you're telling a serialized story you have exactly 10 episodes to tell this season right so I, I agree. what if our heroes get captured and have to escape again? Like, well, <laughs> this FBI guy has nothing to do with the story so far as I could tell so far. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, this is right. just a detour, you know, like, I, but we don't have enough episodes for detours. So that that kind of bugged me. And yeah. um, then my other big complaint in this episode was that um, Spiner can just call up. I mean, Sung can just call up a general and get uh, an army of assassins like in half an hour, no. you know? Yeah, yeah that yeah, made what? no sense to me. He's no. a biochemist and a geneticist, right? What uh, general do you know? <laughs> and besides that, wasn't it established that uh, he's been disgraced and lost yes. his license and all that? So yes. So why yeah. does he have? Why does he have any juice like that? Yeah, absolutely. To, to call a general and get a bunch of like off the books contractor soldiers at your back, like to show up at your house. <laughs> like, I mean, what do you got? Something on this general? 
I, I thought about that too, Charles. Then I'm like, gosh, do they have like a club around the corner? Because they showed up real fast. You're right. And they were they were decked out like serious bad guy black. So this is just like, like how this wow. one guy just pays. Like if you buy him a round of beer and he owes you one, like he's just got this hit squad on command. Like, all right, fine. You can borrow my hit squad. Uh, it, that that just seemed really goofy to me. But like I said, I, I, I really enjoy the characters. And I'm really, I mean, I'm having fun watching the show week to week. I'm not Mm -hmm. hating on it or anything like that. I just don't feel like the story is making a lot of sense. Absolutely. Talk about random thoughts. I'm the the same way. It's great performances, but the story is not cohering for me. Can can y'all, can um, Vandy Beth, can you or someone explain to me, because I may have not quite got it. What is it that Picard's ancestor was going to do that was good? And if she doesn't do it, then he can take over. I kind of didn't get what they said. The explanation. What was the deal? They told us that Rene Picard will discover a life form on Europa. Okay. Uh, which is microbial, but which Rene Picard claimed she thought was sentient. Mm. Um, basically, it's the, uh, the movie 2010 as seen mm-hmm. through Star Trek. Okay. Um, Someone saw that movie before they wrote the season. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't remember which episode established that, and I don't. Uh, maybe I'm not even remembering it correctly, but that is my recollection. No, that, that sounds right to me. Yeah. And yeah. according to the board queen, her doing that will invalidate Sung's work. And so I guess one, according to her, one way history can go is that humanity sort of descends into. I don't know, barbarism and stuff. And he saves them. He saves the human okay. race and is like the, the leader of the human or not he leader, but like the savior of the human mm-hmm. race. Or he just uh, is, his work is now meaningless because they found a cooler microbe that he can create or something along those lines. I'm lost. What, is, mm-hmm. what does that microbe have to do with completely um, discrediting know. his work? Because it's so weird. You know, that that's a... His yeah, work is already a, discredited. I don't know what's what's what the problem here. Yeah. <laughs> He's been discredited already. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, or maybe it makes his work feel like whatever he's been working towards this microbe is like the solution to it. So I don't know, maybe he's working on super healing or whatever. And this microbe has the answers to whatever thing it is that he's trying to accomplish, I guess. I thought he was just trying to create like a human. I thought he was just like yeah. a Frankenstein character. Yes. Yeah, so I thought, I thought that was, I thought that it was, it was confusing. And as you were saying, Charles, we got two episodes. Like, like I need this clean cleared up because it, it's like, cybernetics or artificial life creation whatever yeah i don't think that goes away just because you just you discovered a mold or whatever <laughs> on europa yeah no i know that, just, that yeah. seems weird to me it's just um, it, it, it's, a, it's a last minute thing to throw in yeah you know yeah. like it, we're like two episodes before the end yeah and it's like yeah. someone got to the end of the story and like hey did we ever explain what's going on oh crap <laughs> <laughs> Well, but also, also remember, all we, the only reason we, uh, the only reason we think any of this is because the Borg Queen told it to Sue. That's true, and she could be completely lying about all of it. That's absolutely true. Yeah, but very interesting. It's getting kind of late to offer an alternative explanation. Yeah, true. You know. Yeah, true. And I'm also. This is just a personal thing, but all this history of the past or history of the future or the alternate past are telling. I keep thinking about the fact that this is 2024, and in the Star Trek timeline, the next World War is not super far in the future. Right. Um, it just seems like there's a whole bunch of stuff about this Nexus 2024, which is unclear with that other future coming. Because I'm even thinking cynically, so some gains ascendancy somehow, is he going to stop the next World War? It's just kind of weird. Mm. 
But I, yeah, I mean, maybe strange. maybe the Confederation timeline it never had the World War. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why everyone unites under him. But not, uh, yeah, or yeah, they just never have that sort of dark age period that they have to come back out of. So they just continue on strong. I I don't I don't have a lot of answers to be honest with you. Oh, I'm man. I'm hoping that we get them from the show before the season's over. <laughs> that's a little. Yeah. I somehow doubt it. They're still in the past. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> And I mean, it, 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 like I said, as much as I enjoy watching it week to week, our characters are just bumbling around. Yes. Yeah. True. They're, they're, they they do not have absolutely. solid missions. They, they're mostly damaged. Like, but most of the time they've been in the past, they've been damage control for things yeah. that they've already screwed up. Like, oh, we lost Rios. Now we got to find Rios. Nope. Now we got to rescue Rios. Oh, the board <laughs> queen got away. Now we got to catch the board queen. Oh, now we got mm-hmm. arrested because we got caught somehow because we're, you know what I mean? Like, come on, guys. Let's, let's, right, let's get it together. You're like, you're a yeah. bunch of competent people. Picard, Seven. Yeah, I mean, Rios is a Starship yeah. captain. Um, Raffi was a, a high-ranking Starfleet officer. Gerardi mm-hmm. is like a, a top scientist. Like, <laughs> like you're not the goon squad here. Like, you guys are supposed to be the A-team, you know? <laughs> right. like, let's, let's get it together and save the history. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that hard, even in a place like L.A., to find a blonde woman wearing a red dress walking around looking crazy. I, mean, yep. I don't know they, if that's they, true. They, they, that's not true. Well, that's it not is true at all. Have you looked? <laughs> is this from experience? Obviously, you've never been to California. <laughs> it's just weird, but I mean, because they keep you right there, Bubba. They found a the guy dead. You know, it's almost like, oh, we just missed her. Oh my goodness! You better hurry up. We've all been in a city before. Mm-hmm. Someone can't just say, "Hey, yeah, she went that way," and you just walk behind them until you find their tracks, like. No, like that's not, like what she walking a straight line the whole way, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you can you can just call follow the cars with exploded batteries. Apparently, uh, apparently, yeah, I forgot about that because we were just rewatching. I watched it this morning before work, and then I was just rewatching. Mm-hmm. I didn't get as far as drinking the batteries yet. I thought that was weird. Haven't you finished drinking the batteries? I don't remember. I don't know. I, I guess the the batteries thing. I guess she was just getting the raw material for the nanites. For the nanoprobes? Yeah, and that sound mm-hmm. that sounded like some techno babble that did not need to be inserted into the show because I felt that was a waste of time and plot. Yeah, what yeah. they said was because Seven asked a question that literally made no sense. She asked she asked um, Rafi what uh, what is a battery made of. Now this is the Seven who has like the sum total of knowledge of hundreds of species. And she didn't know that batteries have lithium and nickel or whatever in them. And then, yeah, then they that the thing they said was, Ronica, well, um, now this is another thing they just retconned. She said, before you get converted to a Borg, you get injected with metal compounds. That's what the nanites are made out of. To soothe yeah. you or whatever it was. And it's raw material. So that's why Girardi mm-hmm. is eating car batteries. And it, it's just not working. But then they said, because it's 24th century, they don't have access to the kind of metals that the Borg have. So she's going to be making primitive nanites, nanoprobes, because they don't have the complex metals. It just seemed like a really silly plot device to me. It just didn't just didn't go anywhere for me. No. And I mean, presumably, Gerardi still has a human body, even though the Borg Queen is controlling it. Uh, Right. I mean, I can can buy that she can make her Mm -hmm. stronger or make her Mm -hmm. do better physical feats because she's messing with her hormones and adrenaline and things like that. But drinking a car battery. No. You know, I feel like she'd throw up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is that unreasonable? No. Or her esophagus would get eaten away. Yeah. yeah. Is the acid part of it? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, I think the characters are fun. I really enjoyed the scene uh-huh. with um, Rios and the doctor and her trying to make mm-hmm. him do that weird role play. 
Um, yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty good. It was cute. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like rom- really romantic good. comedy cute. And I like the the bit with the kid running around the spaceship, even though I mean, Rio should know better than this. But hey, you know. <laughs> he can't <laughs> hurt anything, right? I think they're they're I think they're charming, and um, yeah, I mean they're one of my favorite parts of the season. And like I said before, I I think the the portrayal of Guinan has improved. Although I'm yeah. I'm not sure I'm I'm not sold on all of her new superpowers yet. Um, I like Guinan just be like wise, you know, and not projecting right. her mm-hmm. image and that sort of thing. We thought that was all kind of weird. I was a little disappointed that that uh, to to keep to keep the the kid under control. Uh, Rios didn't activate the emergency daycare hologram. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like a, a school teacher of, of of Rios appears. Exactly. That would have been amazing. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of, what is Rios's plan for her and that kid? Because he has pretty much told them everything that there is to say. Now he showed him replicators, transporters, his ship. I'm from the future. So well, we so far, about- no one's had a plan in this season. No. So I don't know why you're starting now. <laughs> no. If yeah. he had a plan for that, that's the first plan they've had. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think I think Veronica was like was right in your last episode. I think Rios is going to stay in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I I think that's likely too. Which uh, is a shame because I like that character and I like I would like to have seen him as a starship captain for more than an episode. True. If it was me, I were him, I'd take her to the future. Back right. Me. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, I hate to keep harping on this. There's a war coming. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and given that, I mean, it seems like he was going to, he would cause more damage to the past by being there. Yep. I agree. No, I don't, maybe she has significant contributions or something. I don't, I don't know. But, um, well, I mean, I, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that because she's running a clinic and helping people. And there's a lot of lives that are impacted by her. So yeah. may, maybe mm-hmm. losing her would be a bigger change to the timeline. But um, I don't I know. Don't I would just like would for her leave. to be on his ship in the future with that kid and have a Stargazer spinoff. And they're all family on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it works for it. me. Works for me. So um, I'm a little lost now. Well, not lost, but I think you said earlier, it seems like what's almost weird frustrating and funny is they're basically saying oh my goodness we brought the board queen back and we may break the timeline so that's weird is this the was this the board queen's plan all along or is the board queen just innovating as she goes along i I don't think it was her plan all along but i think she's just taking advantage of the opportunity to you know to as i think rafi said give the give the the uh give the collective a 400 year head start Hmm. So ch- change the timeline again, but change it in their favor, as it were. I mean, that was the plot of First Contact, so obviously yeah. it's something so they're willing to do. Yeah, I'm huh. wondering if if Q knew something was going on, and that's why he did this. Because I mean, he was like he had said he was the one that first introduced them to the Borg, so maybe he thought bringing them there earlier would stop whatever is happening to him. Or maybe. maybe he thought it would make it finally progress instead of just this weirdly slow descending into nothingness. Am I wrong in thinking that there wouldn't be any changes to the timeline of our heroes hadn't come back in time? That's what I thought. That's, That's what, what I'm saying. So given that, could it hmm. be a, um, a, a yesterday's Enterprise situation where the Confederation was the original timeline and ours wasn't? I don't know how that fits with the story. 
I'm just sort of thinking of that mm-hmm. as we're talking. But I can't think of like if the change in the timeline is that Sung and the Borg Queen might prevent the launch. Well, you brought the freaking Borg Queen back in time with you and she's causing this. So how did the timeline get to the Confederation in the first place? You know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's why I was wondering, did the Borg Queen actually the Borg Queen we saw in the future with that ship? Did she need to go back in time to change the future so that she could exist in the future the way we saw her at first? I mean, is that oh. is, is that the mm-hmm. timeline she needs? I, I don't know. I have to be honest with y'all. I'm I'm confused. And I I'm confused. Well, Q told Guinan in this episode uh that he didn't he didn't bring Picard and his people into the past. Right. They they did that on their own. That's true. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. before before that happened, Q was already in the past trying right. to convince Renee not to get on Europa. Mm-hmm. So that's true. If, if Q's goal is to save his own life, then thwarting the Europa mission somehow makes that p- happen. Well, it seemed like he wasn't even trying to save his own life, though. It seemed like he was just trying to make it make it worthwhile by this one last act that he was doing. Mm. Right. Because he was like, can you know, a life be justified or whatever by one one final act or whatever well however he phrased it you know so i don't i don't i don't know so yeah it seems like he he at the very least if he if he went back himself and changed the timeline by talking her out of the mission then he also preserved picard and the other main cast members so that they could come back in time and stop him from doing that I'm getting a headache. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And I and I do think I know we've said this a million times, but I honestly do think one of the reasons because I one of the reasons that we're having trouble is because this feels like honestly a plot that could have been done in a movie stretched out among ten sure. episodes. Sure. And so it's almost like you're getting a little piece. And I hate to say it, week to week, I'm not able to hold it in my head like I need to if it was like one one movie or something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time juggling the pieces because they're coming too slowly for well, me. Well, and there's extraneous things. Yeah. Like uh, unless these Vulcans were doing something that has something to do with the plot, <laughs> then yes. this whole side quest into the FBI layer. I mean, yeah. or what was it? The FBI field office where I guess FBI agents can just abduct people and take them, lock them up. And if you get yeah. caught doing that, you get fired, put your stuff in a cardboard box and leave. Like that, that's the repercussions <laughs> for abducting, abducting people off the street and bringing you to the basement of a field office to interrogate well, them. Well, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I would hope I that's don't know. The, he the had other agents with them when they stormed the place. That's a good point. So shouldn't he be locked up as crazy or suspicious? Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess law agent. enforcement officers face smaller consequences than that in real life. But it just, at least for a TV show, it seems like it's he should have had more consequences than that. Yeah, um, the, I don't know. I, I mean, I liked his character. I and I like seeing Vulcans um, back in time, and like I, it's all pieces that I like. I just I'm not sure that these are fitting into it. Now, maybe next week will come out. And I'll be like, oh, now I get the whole season. But I don't know. At this point, I'm not real optimistic about that. I'm just really just trying to enjoy yeah. it week to week. And yeah, like right. I've said bef- plenty of times before on the show that you know what I'm watching for is the characters that I like and enjoying their adventures, and I am. So I don't know that serialized storytelling is Star Trek strength. No. Not this one. No, I mean, they've done it better in DS9 and stuff like that. It's just not working. That's true. It's not working here for some reason. You guys make a point I hadn't even really thought about because I was confused whether that FBI agent told command that he was arresting a spaceman or not. He led a tactical team 
and you can't just get your box and leave the next day. I mean, there's gotta be, <laughs> just say never mind. They're like, there's gotta be questions. They're like, yeah. they're, he would be the one behind a, a table getting interrogated. Right. Uh, so I thought that was a little odd. Hey, a uh, question. It hasn't been 100% established because I never read ahead. Has it been 100% established that this storyline is ending at this season? I think I asked no. this last week. No, it has so not. I, believe, I swear, Keith, three. if this 21st century thing is going on <laughs> next year, I'm going to be I'm gonna be turning over tables, man. I'm going to be on the news. Um, wow. No, I think that what they've said is that next season will be Starship based. So at the, at the very okay. least, even if the story's ongoing, mm-hmm. when I can see how uh, it could be with the songs and things that are tying into our modern right. our modern day, the future storyline, <laughs> that it could continue next season. We may not get all the answers. But I, I feel like by the end of this season, they need to have established how time was changed, how yeah. our heroes fixed the timeline, right. etc. Yeah, I agree. Or at least how they can fix the timeline. Right. Uh, I do like Brent Spiner playing a villain. Oh, yes. yes. He is great. In this yes. episode, he reminded me that the Soongs are not just the ancestors of data. They're also the ancestors of lore. True. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. That yep. is a very good point. Because Noonien didn't seem all um, data's. Well, that's a very good point. Because even the one in Enterprise is morally ambiguous. Yeah, he was. And mm-hmm. the one we saw on on, on Next Gen, um, Noonien Soong. We yeah. never spent a lot of time with him. We see like a hologram of him. We see him as an old right. man, but um, he was a, a pretty shady dude anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They're all That's very true. secret planny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What he did with his uh, ex wife was weird. True. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> when he made a robot of her is what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. That was, yes. That was really weird. Uh, <laughs> and then don't tell her. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. But I think Andy Beth said it well, and you guys said it well. I'm the same way. I I enjoy individual performances, but I really am just kind of lost with the plot. Yep. But I like did, it better. Did I say that? <laughs> kind of, sort of. I thought Charles said that. <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was, I was, I was uh, adding both what you said, Manny. What Manny Beth, mm-hmm. I didn't mention, what I didn't complete was you said you like the like you specifically said you like Prince Finer's performance. Yeah. And so I like the performances mm-hmm. and his also, but I'm just not understanding the plot really. And I'm a, I'm a little frustrated and I like long running plots, but mm-hmm. I do feel like I was today. I, I One of my notes was this could have been a really good two hour movie, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like every st- a story like this, every episode, we need to be giving you a little bit more information, a little bit more information to develop. So we follow one after the other. Um, I feel like this is a little all over the place and some weeks I'm more confused than I was the previous week, you know? So we'll Maybe see. Like I said, it's it's a yeah. fun show to watch. So uh, I'm with it. I'm just uh, hoping hoping it lands. You know. Yeah. Same here. All right. Well, Vandy Beth, where can people find more of you? Uh, well, on my Facebook, I'm I'm continuing my uh, review. I guess is the best term for it of the Billboard Hot 100 Top 10 Singles of the First Decade of This Century. Mm. So the 2000s and. We're up to uh, August of 2005. Awesome. And I'm also performing stand-up at uh, clubs around the Atlanta area. And uh, you can catch me on Wednesday the 27th, which I believe is two days after this episode drops, um, at a a Laughing Skull Lounge uh, at 8 o'clock. Yeah. So uh, come laugh. (laughs) 
<laughs> and how about you, Keith? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And? Monkeying Around, our new podcast about the monkeys. And I am the host. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, in this episode, we, um, we told all of our stories from the cruise and going to Nashville and a lot of, a lot of nice. traveling around and having fun. Um, Good. But then also this week, uh, we're on the, the latest episode of Earth Station Who, talking about the episode Legend of the Sea Devils, which if you want to watch the video, it was a live video on Facebook, but you can still watch the replay on Facebook. Um, or we'll, it'll be you know the, the audio podcast in the next episode of Earth Station Who. So if you like Doctor Who, uh, listen for us on that. And do you have a closing this week? Obsession is only obsession until it pays off. Then it's diligence. Hey, great job. Great job. <laughs> Excellent. I nice memorized line. it. I didn't even have to look at it. There you go. <laughs> that could be in a perfume ad. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Why does every conversation always come back to two weeks? <laughs> <laughs>